Hey everybody, it's Thursday, May the 2nd, and today I'm going to talk with you about something truly historic that just happened. For the first time in the entire history of the state of Minnesota, a police officer was just convicted of murder. Now think about that. Minnesota was founded all the way back in 1858. That's 161 years ago. And the very first police officer out of hundreds of fatal police shootings across the years, the very first officer was just convicted in 2019. And it just so happened that the officer was not only black, but was a Somali immigrant and a Muslim, and the victim was a white woman. Now, I'm glad he was convicted, but if you think race and religion and nationality had nothing to do with this verdict, I've got a bridge to sell you. Let's dig in. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. On the evening of July 15th of 2017, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Justine Damon, a 40-year-old white woman from Australia, called 911 because she thought she heard some type of assault or disturbance taking place on an alley right outside of her home. She called the police once to report it, and as she continued to hear the noises, she was disturbed. So she called 911 again eight minutes later just to see if the police were close by. And when she saw the lights of the Minneapolis police car in the alley, she went outside in her pajamas to speak to the officers just to tell them what she saw. After all, it was her that made the call. Except she never even got to speak a single word to the officers. As she walked up to the driver's side window of the car, the officer in the passenger side, Officer Mohammed Noor, saw her, grabbed his gun, and shot her right there in the alley. Now, I travel and speak in Minneapolis a lot. And I heard about this police shooting the next day. And as soon as I saw the picture of Justine Damon and learned that her family was an affluent white family, that the Australian government was advocating on her behalf, and that she was both a veterinarian and a meditation coach, I have to admit I was surprised. I say that because I've studied thousands of police shootings. For years, I would literally study every shooting that happened every single day. Some days, American police would shoot and kill two to three people. Some days, it would creep and climb higher to five or six people. And some days, it would literally climb as high as 12 to 13 people killed by American police in a single day. And each and every day, I'd look at every name, I'd read the reports, see what I could learn, And I saw and learned a lot of trends in who American police would shoot and kill. Now, of course, there are exceptions. But by and large, American police rarely, and I say that like with bold print, underline, neon highlight, rarely shoot unarmed white women. If a white woman got shot and killed by police, and I've studied dozens of cases where white women actually were shot and killed by police. When white women are killed by police, I'd say about 99% of the time, that white woman was either armed with a gun or a knife, 
with someone who was armed with a gun or a knife, often in a shootout, or was having a severe mental health crisis, or some combination of those things, having a severe mental health crisis with a knife, or with a hammer, or with a screwdriver, or any combination of the above. And I don't say that to justify shootings in any of those cases, but I cannot recall just one. I cannot recall one unarmed, nonviolent, affluent, healthy, mentally stable white woman being shot and killed by police. Even in preparation for this episode, I went back to look at all of my notes from across the years, all of the articles. I've written nearly 1,500 articles on injustice in this country, and I just could not find a single case of an unarmed, nonviolent, affluent, healthy, drug-free, mentally stable white woman being shot and killed by American police. Now, I can tell you plenty of cases that fit this description when we just make it a man or make it a person of color. But when it comes to police violence, no class of American is more protected than unarmed, nonviolent, wealthy, healthy white women. So the moment I found out who Justine Damon was and confirmed that she was indeed unarmed, nonviolent, wasn't intoxicated, wasn't on drugs, wasn't having a mental health crisis. The moment to me was just weird. What happened to her just doesn't happen to white women in America. Then I saw the name and the picture of the officer who shot and killed her. And for the first time in my life, truthfully, for the first time in my life, before that moment or even since that moment, For the first and only time in my life, I knew for sure that we were about to see an officer get convicted of murder. Not because the evidence was overwhelming. Both cops on the scene had their body cameras turned off. The car didn't have a dash cam that was on. No cell phone videos filmed the shooting. No other eyewitnesses saw the shooting. And the one person who could dispute the testimony of the cops was dead. But I knew, I double and triple knew that we would see a conviction in this case because Justine Damon was a wealthy, popular, blonde-haired, blue-eyed white woman, and the officer who shot her was not just a black man, but a Somali immigrant and a practicing Muslim in Trump's America. Listen to me. The United States has about 2,500 counties. I believe Officer Muhammad Noor would have likely been convicted in all but one or two of those counties. And let me be clear, he was guilty. Justine Damon was unarmed, she was nonviolent, she broke no laws, and she was no threat to those officers whatsoever. Officer Muhammad Noor should have been found guilty. It was the right verdict. But if you listen to episodes 12, 13, and 14 of The Breakdown, you heard me unpack and explain how the Supreme Court cases, Tennessee versus Garner and Graham versus Connor, make it nearly impossible to convict cops of crimes once they say that they either feared for their lives or for the lives of somebody else. Well, in this case, Muhammad Noor, like clockwork, said just that. His partner, Matthew Harrity, who wasn't charged because he never fired his pistol. Matthew Harrity said the exact same thing. 
He said he feared for his life when he saw the looming shadow of Justine Damon walking up near the car. And both officers claimed that she hit the back of the car and made a noise that frightened them. But the car actually had 51 different fingerprints on it, and none of them were hers. So it was never really proven that she touched the car or didn't. But whatever the case, both cops said that they feared for their lives. Muhammad Noor said that he was so afraid that he went ahead and shot her, not to protect himself, but to protect his partner. But guess what happened? They convicted him of third-degree murder and manslaughter nonetheless. And every single person I know, every legal expert, every activist and organizer, we all saw this coming. Not one person I know thought this decision would go the other way, which is just weird because justice is almost impossible. It is so outrageously, exceedingly rare when it comes to holding a police officer accountable. But what we know is what I need you to know. Nobody in the United States of America is held more responsible for crime than black folk, period. And then add on top of that the fact that he is an immigrant and a Muslim in the age of Trump and Mohammed Noor never stood a chance. And it's hard for me to explain my mixed emotions here. And I've seen other activists and organizers struggle with this as well. It's just painful. And it's, it, it is a form of, of rejection in a way to see the ease, the absolute ease in which Mohammed Noor, with less evidence, no camera footage, no other eyewitnesses, to see the ease in which he was convicted when we've seen so many other cases with so much more evidence when the victim was black and we consistently, almost always, see the cop be set free. And I said this yesterday on episode 22 about the murder of Botham Jean. The United States justice system was not designed, it was not created, it was not authored, it was not constructed to provide justice for black people. It was designed to incarcerate and obliterate. And it just seems like the wheels are greased for the system to work so smoothly for some people and hardly work at all for the others. Let me close us today with this thought. I just got a chance to study the notes that the judge gave the jurors to consider in this case. And I think this case may have unintentionally set a new precedent for when an officer can be convicted. I'm going to dive in and study this case. And uh, as I learn more about it, I'll report back to you all what I find. Because as you may have heard in previous episodes, we're going to begin building some political and legal solutions where we're able to fight back on these things in some real ways that make a substantive difference. Because when we launched the North Star, it wasn't just to change the news. It was to change the world. The break. The breakdown. breakdown. Thank you all for making it all the way through this episode of The Breakdown. Now, if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, we'll be right back here every single weekday, breaking down important news stories and issues. And we'd love for you, yes, you, to subscribe on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
Now, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Tell your neighbors, tell your crew, tell your coworkers. Our next goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers, and we just won't get there without you. Have you left a review yet? On Apple Podcasts, we now have nearly 5,000 five-star reviews, but we still want to hear from you. So please leave your best review when you get some time, all right? Of course, thank you so much to the nearly 30,000 founding members of the North Star whose generosity even makes this podcast possible. We love and appreciate each of you so very much. And if you love this podcast and you want to support our work or you want to see the show notes and transcripts for each episode, we'd love it if you considered becoming a founding member of our community. And you can do that right now at thenorthstar.com. There we not only have our podcast, but we have hundreds of original articles and stories and commentaries from some of the leading scholars and thinkers and journalists in the world. Lastly, a shout out to our podcasting director and senior producer, Willis, for his hard work on this and every episode. Take care, everybody.